0: Welcome to Career Tools. This week, I don't like the way my manager manages me. The questions this cast answers are, what do I do when my boss decides on a new fad? What do I do when my boss wants to do meetings that I don't? And what do I do when I don't like my boss's management style? This episode of Career Tools is brought to you by Roadmap. Manager Tools, new application, That allows managers to roll out the Trinity one-on-ones and feedback and to monitor and measure every step along the way. You'll have a dashboard to see how you're doing and we'll help you with every single step from scheduling your one-on-ones all the way through to reporting on how you're doing. ManagerTools.com. Come see us. We see this a lot. Sarah, we get questions at conferences, we get questions into our customer service, we see it on the forums, people saying, I don't like the way my manager has decided to manage me. He does this or that or the other, and it just, it's just not the way I want to work. And we also get emails from managers who are introducing one-on-ones or feedback. And they're getting pushback from their from their direct, saying, I don't want to go to a one-on-one meeting. I think I know you well enough. I think we understand each other. I think you know how my work is. I don't want to do this extra meeting. Or I don't want to listen to feedback. You know, I, I think this model thing is silly and you can just tell me what you want to tell me. And we have guidance for bosses on what to do in those cases, But this is for people who feel that their manager is doing something that's either ineffective or they just don't like. Of course, the biggest question is, how do you get them to stop? And sadly, the answer to that is you don't. So if you expect us to tell you in here how to get your manager to stop doing things that annoy you, we're not going to tell you that. We're going to tell you how to deal with it, but we're not going to tell you that they are going to stop or that you can get them to stop so what are we going to cover sarah we're
1: going to cover accept your lack of power support your boss disagree in private and how you feel is your fault mhm mm-hmm. unfortunately you need to accept your lack of power right we, we are afraid we fear that those people who are suffering under a manager's new best idea ever Right or a new manager who has picked up some strange idea of how to manage, they're really going to be disappointed in our guidance today. Right, And we, we do. We feel bad. We, we have sympathy. We really do feel bad for you. We've all had bad bosses. right? We've had bosses who read a book or they saw something, some management principle, and they decide to, to manage or change their behavior. And they've implemented that style wholesale. Half the manager's tools team have been in the workplace for over 25 years. So we've, we've ourselves seen a lot of ideas come and go.
0: Yeah. And we're not going to tell you that undermining or rebelling against your boss is the way to go, but we're not going to give you permission to sabotage your boss. We are not going to say, go ahead and ignore your boss. We are going to tell you to get over your frustration and support your boss And this is one of the hardest lessons I think I ever had to learn because I always thought I was smarter than everybody else and I knew better what my boss should be doing. And the funny thing about it is the moment I decided that I was going to stop fighting and start supporting them, everything got easier. Everything. The same things didn't annoy me anymore. So if you're like me and you tend to rail against authority, then... I promise you, as counterintuitive as this seems, it is going to get better.
1: Absolutely. We're not going to trap you into a life of frustration. That is not what we want for you. The guidance we're going to give you, we're going to give you because it's better for your career in general, right? Your boss is the one that holds the cards. They control what your career looks like. They're the one who's responsible for or can control whether or not you get promoted in that organization, whether or not you get an increase in your salary, your hours, right? They're the one that determines your hours, the hours you work. And for that matter, they change the work that you do just in general. It's your boss that can sit and they can change where you sit and even whom you work with on a daily basis, right? So it's okay not to like any of this, but it's all true. And if you want a decent career, you need to support this person.
0: And before we go too much further, there is a big difference between unethical behavior and management style. If your boss is doing something unethical or asking you to do so, then we recommend you speak up. You know, if your boss is telling you to lie, if, you're, if the boss is stealing money or time from the company, if they're doing something that's uh, one of the isms, racism, sexism or any of those, then speak up. But if it's just ineffective behaviour or behaviour you don't like or behaviour that you think is stupid, you have two choices. You can stay and make the best of it or you can leave. And some people think that their choices influence my boss into behaving differently or the status quo. And that's not the option that you're being presented with. You can't change a manager's style as a direct. I mean... Someone's going to come up with the 1% that one time it actually happened. And, you know, maybe it did somewhere in Fairytale Land. But in general, directs can't change the way their managers manage. And so you have a choice to stay or leave. And to leave is a perfectly valid choice. You know, it, it is okay to say, I can't work with this person and I'm going to find a different job. But if you're going to stay, you have to support your boss. Right and we're going to give you guys some
1: guidance shortly on disagreeing with your boss in the the correct way but if you think that it's more than 50% chance of things changing when you disagree with your boss we're sorry it's just it's not true it's not that high a chance that that things will change for you it's your manager that gets to manage the way they want right until the organization tells them differently in this case the organization is their peers or their boss and anyone above them in that hierarchy. So most times when we hear about the kind of bosses that people don't want to work with, the organization has blessed their behavior, right? So by not firing or reprimanding them, the organization has made that choice. Based on those behaviors, we're, we're okay with it. They're a good enough manager for us. So when you're fighting with your boss about, the way they specifically manage, you're fighting with the entire organization. And in that case, you will almost certainly lose that battle.
0: And we've been really blunt here for a reason. We want you to hear our message loud and clear. We say that manager tools and career tools are for 90% of the people, 90% of the time. And sure, there's 10% of you, 10% of the time who can get away with giving your boss feedback again about the way managing and have it accepted and implemented with good grace but it's so rare that we can't tell you to do that because 90 percent of the time you're probably wrong and even if we thought you were going to be right we can't tell that and so it's safer for us to say don't do it and people are sometimes surprised when their bosses don't react well to feedback like they think they have a really good relationship And we've seen so many of those cases go wrong. And it it is far better for you to assume that you can't give your boss feedback, that that won't be received well, and to take a different tack, to use a different strategy to make things better. Right. And Manager Tools, we say,
1: use those tools in a top-down fashion, right? This is Manager Tools. We're not direct tools. Mm -hmm. If. The power differential in this entire scenario, it's just not in your favor as the direct, right? Your boss, they just, they frankly have more power than you and they can pass out punishments as they see fit. So maybe your situation is different and maybe you're in that 10%, but since nine out of 10 times you're going to be wrong, we're going to say, please don't give feedback to your boss except the way that they manage is the way they manage and the power given them by the organization, has allowed them to do so.
0: Yeah. And as we've said, once you've accepted that, you have two choices. Either learn to work with that person or spruce up your resume. And we are not saying you have to stay with a boss whose management style is annoying or hurtful or disturbing or any other negative word for you. We're saying in the time you're working with that person, work with them to try and make the situation work as well. For both of you, as it possibly can. Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
1: And a note here about working with people, just in general, right? First, if you haven't listened to any of our guidance on DISC, the different communication styles that people have, we recommend that you do that. DISC is a behavioral profiling tool that can help you understand both the way you work and the way other people work. So just identifying the commonalities and differences between you and you and your boss can go a long way to ease the tension in that relationship. I recently had dinner with one of the uh, gentlemen that came to one of my Chicago conferences back in July, and it was just last week and he told me, "You know, my relationship with my boss has gotten so much better since I started using DISC. I can now understand why he behaves the way he does instead of being frustrated." By the way he behaves,
0: they're not just doing it to wind you up. It's an, amaz- right. it's an amazing res- revelation, or it was. To oh, me. it is. <laughs> it absolutely
1: is. It was to me as well. Yeah, absolutely. If you can understand someone else's communication style and then tailor your behavior to them, just that alone will will take a lot of the pressure off that relationship. Now, second, deciding to work with someone can also ease those tensions right? So let's say, for example, you've been working from home four days a week for six months, for example. So your boss decides that they want the team to be working together in the office. And so changes the rules so that you can only work from home one day a week. And it has to be Wednesday.
0: And there's, there's pros and cons of both sides for people working from home, but we're just using this as an example, right? Absolutely.
1: So we can understand that you'd be angry about having your, your freedom curtailed, right? You might think that the only reason that this happened, it would, would possibly happen is if your work was poor, right? If it was punishment and it isn't, right? You might think of having coming to the office as punishment for yourself. And if you continue along those lines, your relationship with your boss is, it's going to suffer for sure.
0: Right. If you come into the office and you're thinking I'm being punished for something that I haven't done, you know. I haven't, ba- I haven't given in bad work. I haven't submitted bad work, and so why am I being punished by making me come into the office? You're gonna have. We don't talk about attitude, but there's certain yeah. thing, there's certain things you're going to do, right. which could be summed up as a bad attitude. <laughs> Correct. Some behaviors you engage in. Exactly. We'll keep going with this kind of mental, this uh, philosophical question. So what would happen if you decide to take the other course? If you think about it and you think, okay, well, actually this change isn't about me and my work. It's not about my freedom. It's about the boss trying to find a way to make the team work as effectively as possible. I might not like the change, but it's happening anyway, and I might as well embrace it it takes a little while to get to that point if if your boss is doing something you really don't like. But let's imagine you can get to that point.
1: Mm -hmm. It would help to dissipate your anger, right? We have got a podcast, Assume Positive Intent. And when we say it, we mean it from the manager down to the direct. But it works both ways. Assume Positive Intent. And deciding to embrace this change, it'll just allow you to start sinking in a positive light. Hey, look on the bright side. Now I can listen to podcasts when I'm on my commute to work. I'll be going to the office more often, right? There's things like that. Or now get to work from eight to five and actually have a real life lunch break. Another positive. Get to hear what everyone else is working on and ask questions. That's one of the best things about an office environment. Get to work with other people for a change. And in all our experience, just fighting what the boss has wanted us to do has made us more miserable, right? Embracing it has improved our work life. And you don't have any power in the situation, so you would might as well try it. And if you try it with a smile on your face, you'll give it more of an effort to succeed.
0: Exactly. So next is support your boss and we're going to go back in history a second and we're going to talk about one of the fads if you want to call it that the new wave of management that happened in the 1990s so if you don't remember the 1990s this is going to come to as a surprise to you if you remember the 1990s this might give you hives because you'll remember this coming in i remember i remember this coming in my dad had to go to lots of new meetings and learn this new way of managing Mm-hmm. which didn't last long. But anyway, in the 1990s, about 60% of the Fortune 500 companies adopted this strategy called business process re- reengineering, and they called it BPR for short. And BPR assumed that the factor that limits the organization's performance is the ineffectiveness of its processes. In other words, if something was going wrong in the organization, it was due to the processes Not the people, not the customers, not, you know, the equipment. It was something to do with processes. So the companies set out to map and implement new processes for various departments. And nearly always this meant cutting out parts of existing processes that were deemed inefficient. So where they saw that there was a process that was unnecessarily, in inverted commas, long, they would cut out some steps to make it more efficient. And while this was effective
1: in many cases, it just ignored fundamental reasons why the ineffective portions of the process was in existence in the first place. So, for example, regulatory reasons, things like that.
0: Yeah, my dad worked in, works in uh, aircraft engineering. And when I was discussing this with him, I was like, hey, you remember when you did bus- business process engineering? And he sighed and, and he <laughs> said he said that, that this happened to him a lot. They would shorten the process and then you know the the regulators would come along and say, Okay, well you need to show that you took six bolts out of this engine and you put six back. So where's where's the demonstration of that? And the process wouldn't allow for that because it was, you know, doing that demonstration was part of the process that they'd taken out. And so a lot of the time, they ended up putting stuff back in because the people that had developed the process didn't understand why those things were there and they could easily take them out and then they ended up with problems. Right. That's what happens when the people
1: creating the new process don't work in the roles that are in turn affected by the processes. So in that way, they would need to be influenced by the past to work more creatively, to think more creatively. this meant the new processes just didn't account for human beings being involved in the history of the process. So in time, the people who worked in the different department had to add all of that back, just time consuming and a headache, right? Business process improvement in itself was not a bad idea, nor are Kaizen and Six Sigma that followed it, right? They're based on strong business fundamentals. Even Drucker, who created Management by Objective System, said, Management by Objective works if you know the objectives, and 90% of the time you don't.
0: Yeah. So we're telling you this history to explain that these management ideas come and go. And each time they're introduced, organizations become more effective. And then because they're full of humans, they drift back to the status quo. And many of these big ideas come from the top down. That is, They're introduced by the CEO or one of his C-suite executives, and the whole organization is expected to take part. Often, they follow some big consulting engagement by one of the big consulting firms who have a new strategy to sell. Sometimes it's an SVP, sometimes it's a manager, but often they come top down.
1: Absolutely. So all that said, your manager... Your manager themselves might not have any choice in implementing this new idea. They might be as skeptical as you are that this new system is going to improve service to the customer or the finances of the company or whatever we're looking at affecting. As an instrument of the organization, though, your manager has no choice but to introduce the new system and support it. So oftentimes, your manager has no power either, right? They're, they're passing down that top-down initiative, they're towing the line because that's what's called upon by the organization from them, but they might not agree either. And if that's the case, then your crankiness towards the new system is doing nothing but adding to your boss's troubles, right? They're, they're frustrated too. So that's not going to improve your station in your boss's eyes. And if we're, really, if we're going to be entirely selfish about it, it'll re- result in negative consequences for you. In the end. And
0: perhaps this idea is just your managers. And some directs would think that that gives them more leverage against the idea, right? It's just you and your boss. But remember, your boss has the weight of the organization behind them. Every time that your boss does something and the organization doesn't fire them, they're tacitly blessing what's being done. And some directs will go to HR when the boss introduces something that they're not in favour of. They go to HR, like suppose it's the idea we introduced earlier about working from the office instead of working from home. So here's what happens. The direct goes to HR and expects that HR will conduct a fair, balanced, impartial investigation into who should be working from home and why they should be working from home. And the direct is expecting a judgement and they think that there's like a 50-50 chance that HR, at least a 50-50 chance that HR will be on their side, if not more, because if you didn't think you were going to win, why would you go to HR, right? Mm-hmm, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you, you know, same way. You wouldn't go to a court over an issue that you thought you would do, lose, right? So if a director is going to HR, they think they're going to win. But HR looks at the issue for 10 minutes and they say, say to themselves, is what the manager is doing illegal or unethical because that's HR's job to keep the company out of the courts, to keep it within the legal actions, and it's not to make all of the employees happy. Right. I don't think many people know that. In my
1: experience, lots of people they thought that the the role of human resources was to protect them. Mm -hmm. It's not. The role of human resources is to protect the company. That's what they're there for.
0: And if the com- if the boss isn't doing something illegal or something unethical, then they support the boss, and nothing changes for the direct, except that the boss knows you've been to HR. And we said this earlier. That's not going to improve the direct station in their boss's eyes, right? The direct who complains about why the way the manager manages to someone outside is in even more trouble than the one who just complains to their boss. It can only end in negativity negativity for you.
1: Absolutely. This section of our guidance could fairly be interpreted as don't get in the way of your boss when she wants to introduce something new. That is the very minimum we're asking of you. We're saying that actively working against the idea will result in negative consequences for you. But that's not the same as the title of this section, which is support your boss. So, Think of it, the analogy of a boat in the sea. There's wind. Now the wind can be going either in the wrong direction, that is actively pushing against the boat to slow its progress in the direction it wants to go. Or option number two, the wind can just fall away and neither hinder nor help the boat, no wind at all. And finally, the wind can be behind the boat and actively helping it on its journey. Now we've already said don't be the wind that's pushing against the boat. Now we're going to also say, don't be the non-existent wind either. Be the wind that is actively helping the boat go in the right direction. Actively help your manager support your manager to go down the path that they seek to go down.
0: And that means saying things like, I can see how that might work. Or that sounds like something I could get behind. Or I can see the benefits of that. When they introduce new ideas, ask questions not to trip your boss up, but to understand how you're going to implement whatever it is. You know, we all know that sometimes we ask questions to show that somebody has a flaw in their argument or that, you know, their details are wrong. You know, this reasons for asking questions that aren't helpful so don't do that if you're going to ask a question ask it because you're trying to understand how you're going to implement it and i can't really describe this but you know the difference between asking a question to trip someone up and asking a question in a positive way so just stay on the positive side right and offer to help in whatever concrete ways you can you can see that might be helpful You know, if your boss is talking about introducing a new process, you can offer to document it or offer to talk somebody else through it or uh, offer to uh, produce something that's going to the customers to tell them about the process. There's lots of ways you can help. Absolutely. Let's say,
1: for example, it's bringing the team back into the office. So you could say, I can see all the benefits of having us here together. I know that Tim and I had a breakthrough last time I was in the office. Right You might offer to liaise with i t to make sure that the team has what it needs to be on permanent desks, or you might arrange for the team to all have the new matching coffee cups, right? Your ideas don't have to be serious, right They can be team building ideas if you
0: want, yeah, and don't listen to your peers whine. listening to your peers express their frustration, may not be pushing the boat back, but it's not helping it move forward either. So, we're going to go through some examples of what peers might say and how you can reply. So, you you know, it's manager tools. It has to be actionable. So, uh, I'll be the peer and you could be you. Sure. This is a stupid idea. I work better from home.
1: Oh, I can see potential benefits. I'm glad we're trying it. And you might be lucky and I might make you a coffee sometimes.
0: (sighs) (laughs) i don't think that makes up for it but whatever (laughs) she's just flexing her muscles i bet this idea will be gone in six months just like all the others i don't know i think this one could last
1: right it certainly has got some merits and i think we should give it a go if it's a bad idea it'll fail anyway and you know complaining isn't going to change it so we might as well just get behind it
0: yeah i guess we've tried this why are we doing it again we know it doesn't work You know, I think things are different now. The procurement
1: group tried it, and it seems to have stuck. And you know they're much better now anyways. So I think that this one will last this time. I'm going to support it anyway.
0: If you want to be entirely selfish about it, ask yourself this. When it comes to review time, who is your boss going to reward? The people that supported them in their idea and did their best to ensure it succeeded, or the person who dragged their heels? It's obvious. We don't have to tell you that. (laughs) So be the person who is pushing the boat. Right. Do you want to be right or do you want to be effective? That's
1: always such a good question. (laughs) If you want to be right, I want to prove my point. I want to be correct. Then, okay, that's not effective. (laughs) That's the question you need to ask yourself on that. So the next piece then we have is disagreeing in private. So many of you are probably thinking, isn't part of my role also to stop my boss from doing stupid things? <laughs> and the answer is partially yes. You can express your misgivings carefully up into the point where your boss makes that decision to act. Then at that point, you support their action wholeheartedly. We call this murdering the unchosen alternative. And yes, as you can imagine, there is a cast for that.
0: If you don't see any redeeming features in your boss's new idea and you've tried hard, like honestly tried to see the good points, or you can see real dangers, then you can tell your boss that you're concerned about the idea. And we have guidance about disagreeing with your boss in a cast called Disagreeing with Your Boss. So just go to the website, type that in. We recommend that you listen to the whole thing or read it if you're a licensee, but we're just going to briefly describe it here so that. You know, if this is happening to you tomorrow, you've got the basics. So, the first part is never disagree with your boss in public. Like disagreement is okay. It sometimes is appropriate, and sometimes it's reasonable, and sometimes it's required, and sometimes it's normal. If you are just if your boss is just throwing out ideas and you are brainstorming, or you are just trying to work up an idea, it's okay to disagree. But there's a time and a place to do it, and in public is not the place. And in public also means in a team meeting. That's still public. You know, if there's a couple of people with your boss, that's still public. It has to be just you and your boss, one-on-one.
1: Absolutely. Never say, I disagree. (laughs) Right? There are better ways to say that. The first is in private, support and question. So alone with your boss, express support for the change or the issue or the initiative, whatever it may be, and then ask a series of questions designed to either help you understand what you need to do and also to point out your areas of concern.
0: And we said earlier, nice questions, not the ones that are designed to trip your boss up. Not snarky. If you're going to disagree, disagree early and not late. So usually the longer you leave it until you disagree the harder it is to justify. You know, if your boss says, "Uh, okay, I want my whole team working in the office and you wait until the day before that people are supposed to come into the office to say, you know, I don't think this is a good idea because of X, Y, and Z. If X, Y, and Z are good reasons, then there's a whole bunch of work just gone into bringing people into the office that should not have been done because you should have said that earlier. If X, Y, and Z are not good reasons, then you're disagreeing with your boss the moment they're about to flip the switch, and that's way too late.
1: At that point, disagreeing, you know there won't be a change in action, Uh so there is no point in voicing your concerns. You're going to want to disagree when planning, but not when acting. In all processes, there's a time of planning and then a time of action. And as a general rule, disagreeing with action has already begun is just much more difficult to sustain. And it's much more likely to seem selfish or harmful.
0: And don't complain to other people. This is the one-on-one with your boss. For example, if you complain to others about how stupid the plan is or how you weren't involved in the planning or can't say it'll work or you're just following orders, all those things that we're tempted to say... It's unprofessional to do that. We've already said, don't let your peers whine, or well, don't be the person whining either. Sometimes people think, oh, you know, the bosses are they, and we're all in yeah. it together, and you know, it's us against the man, and they think they think it's somehow cool, but uh-huh. it isn't. It's it's wrong. It's being it's being unethical. It's being two-faced, and you know, it it doesn't matter what you think, your boss will not think it's cool. Exactly. Do it to the wrong boss on the wrong day, and you could well be fired just for whining, you know, because that's what at-will employment means. And at-will employment, for those outside the U.S., most of the U.S. is at-will employment, which means you can be fired for any reason at any time. And it also means that you can leave any reason for any reason at any time right there is a balance there before everyone Mm -hmm. thinks that that's terribly unbalanced but uh yeah your boss can fire you for being for being whiny if that's what they want to fire you for and if you're going to do that then you have to understand that that is the potential consequence yes
1: now the last part of it all is how you feel is your fault Now, Mark has a great story. I'm sure many of you have heard it. And he illustrates the point with the story of the umbrella, right? You've probably heard that on podcasts. The story goes, Mark was with a friend and they were both in an elevator. And as we all do, right, when you step into an elevator car, um, they moved to the back of the car and turned around facing the door so that their backs were almost to the back wall of the car um, and they were
0: facing the door. And then on another floor, gentleman gets on, holding an umbrella under his arm. You know, how you kind of wedge it up there in your, under your armpit. And, of course, you have the handle to the front and the point at the back. And so he, two steps into the elevator and turns around. And he is closer to the doors, but not right on the doors, right, because you don't stand that close to the doors. So he's fr- in front of Mark and his friend. And as the elevator closes its doors and moves upwards... This gentleman starts shuffling his hands in his pockets, looking for his keys. And each time he moves, the point of the umbrella stabs Mark in the chest. And when that gentleman gets out of the elevator,
1: Mark turns to his friend and says, Man, that guy made me mad. And his friend says, No, he poked you with an umbrella. You got mad all by yourself.
0: <laughs> and lots of people don't agree with this. They say, you know, that other people can make you mad. Or angry. Mad always sounds so, I don't know. Um, Yeah. uh, Other people can make you angry. Other people can make you cry. And other people can make you laugh, right? But we have far more control over our emotions than we think we do. And I'm sure you're starting to see the parallels here. Your boss introduces something you don't like and you get mad. But you are in control of your emotions. You can choose to be mad or frustrated or stressed But you can also choose to be amused or hopeful or interested. Stephen Covey talks about the gap between stimulus and response. So what happens most of the time is we get poked and then we react. You know, our limbic brain kicks in and we're like, I'm mad. But actually, there is a space between those two things happening, between the stimulus, your boss taking an action, and a response, what you do about it. You can react without thinking or you can react the way you want to.
1: Absolutely. And your anger won't change a thing. Right? Your boss isn't likely going to change their minds about one-on-ones with you just because they tick you off. right? You can complain all you like, but that is almost never going to create the change, no, not the change you want to see, anyway. Mm.
0: And what's more, many of you are thinking, if I got poked, I could get mad, right? If you can create those negative Emotions about an event, you can create positive ones. So you can look for positives in your boss's plan and support her in the implementation. And remember, it's not good enough just to be the neutral wind. We want you to support your boss to be the positive force behind the boat. Because if nothing else, it's better for your career to do that, right? We're not telling you all of this stuff, uh, especially the kind of emotional stuff that we don't normally talk about on career tours. We're not telling you because As we said at the beginning, we want you to be frustrated. We want you to be knuckling under to all sorts of things that you don't agree with. We're telling you to look for the positives where you can because it's better for your career.
1: Absolutely. So in summary, if you don't like the way your boss is managing you, there are two obvious choices. You can stay or you can go. Make my boss change is unfortunately not one of your choices. And it's absolutely okay to decide that you can't stand whatever it is that your boss has introduced and for you to start looking for a role. That is absolutely fine. It's not okay, or at least not helpful for your career to complain about it or to try and change it. So while you're still in the same building, don't check out. Support your boss in whatever they are doing. You never know. You might actually come to like it.
0: (laughs) Nobody believes us, but I have found that to be true. There's been it things is true. that my bosses have introduced that I have thought were the most stupid idea in the world. And in time, they either didn't seem like a big deal or I actually could see the merits in them. You just have to work a little bit harder if your instant response is to be negative.
1: You absolutely do. Hard work, but worth it.
0: Indeed. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you, Wendy. Bye, everyone. That's it. I hope it was helpful. We'll see you next week.